0: My Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Jana Hill,
1: and I'm Elias Rosner. And today we sift through what remains of that multiverse in the wake of Dan Slott's Fantastic Four
0: Excelsior. Wow, I—I I mean, here it—I'm at a loss for of, of words. Apparently, um, it does—it—it it doesn't really feel like the end of a huge run, but it uh, like a uh, uh, Dan Slott's Fantastic Four was nearly as long as. Uh, immortal Hulk
1: yeah it lasted 45 issues and I think there were a couple like one shots or whatever that tied into it throughout there but this is one of the longer runs Marvel's done in years which is so funny because
0: uh Dan Slott Spider-Man is one of the longest runs they've ever done mm-hmm. like the, the I think the, the I think that ranks in the top 10 for sure along with uh Bendis Bagley on Ultimate Spider-Man and Claremont on X-Men Oh, and and Peter David on Hulk. Peter David on Hulk's the crazy long one. Oh. That lasts from the 80s Mm -hmm. into the mid-2000s.
1: Damn. Yeah. Didn't know it was that long.
0: Yeah, and some of it's really good, and some of it is not. (laughs) Um, But we're not talking about Hulk. Hulk, uh, Bruce Banner has not a lot to do with the run. We're talking about Dan Slott's Fantastic Four. So I guess, Elias, do you come to this like as a fantastic four person or are they kind of like a not as interesting spot on the marvel map for you
1: that yeah that's where i kind of sit i've never been a fantastic four fan um i think i had seen the the movie the first one uh and then had not seen any of the others i'm i might have seen fan four stick but like in a bad movie club yeah (laughs) that movie is Oh, boy, a train wreck. But Yeah, I was not much of a fan of the Fantastic Four, but I do remember p- people being pretty angry that the Fantastic Four kind of disappeared off the map in the wake of Secret Wars because of Marvel's whole feud with Fox, which they have now since consumed. <laughs> um,
0: I, I mean, Yeah, when they
1: were... Mm-hmm.
0: I, I just maintain that. Uh, I think people uh, overhype the feud as like a driver of creative... Uh, decisions
1: i don't know they were that's when they retired the x-men and they retired fantastic four and like all of the properties that weren't spider-man that fox owned they were like you know what we don't need to do anything with them right now
0: i mean i definitely did not much care for the fantastic four when i was a kid i didn't read fantastic four comics i didn't care for those movies there was that weird cartoon that sometimes i would catch that was okay um and then, I guess, mm-hmm. I really fell in love with the Fantastic Four. As with most things, the secret is just make it a Hickman book and I'll like it. <laughs> um, and so, if you, have you read Hickman's Fantastic Four, Elias? No, I haven't. That's the one that, like, there's other good Fantastic Four runs. The, the Lee Kirby stuff is uh, one of their more classic collaborations. And um, John Byrne has a lot of good stuff in his mm-hmm. run. Uh, but, like, the Hickman run is the one that you get the Fantastic Four when you read that. You went, like, um, it was around then, what do they call them, like, Imaginauts or something? They, they explore the imagination?
1: Uh, you, you would know better than me.
0: Oh, well, just, like, they really crank up that the Fantastic Four are the quintessential, like, goofy 60s super science thing. And in the Silver Age, that's gotta continue because That's just like their style, and I guess, like the X Men, they're living like a larger than life domestic life. Mm. We're like, uh, you know, they're, yeah. they're they live in a crazy secret base, and there's always bad guys tearing through.
1: <laughs>
0: um, but so, uh, Hickman did his Fantastic Four run, and then Hickman did Secret Wars, and that's kind of what took the Fantastic Four off the map for a little while because that story ends with, um Franklin Richards, with his godlike powers, is, like, positioned to repopulate the multiverse with all the different stories that he and his family are going to tell. And he's going to, like, whisper them into little universes and chuck them out and reconstitute the multiverse.
1: Yeah, which honestly could have been a really interesting series in and of itself.
0: Yeah, I guess we can still do, like, Uh, a flashback.
1: Yeah, or, like, a start of a What If series.
0: Yeah, great framing for a What If series, great framing for an Exiles-type series.
1: Yep, but Marvel did none of that. No, and And then. Instead, (laughs) we got nothing for a while. And then they started teasing stuff, and we got two in one, which was Ben Grimm and um, Johnny Storm just kind of on Earth. Uh, And it was their adventures for about 12 issues as they tried to basically find their friends. Um, Is but, that a fair summary of that series? Yeah,
0: I have to confess, I've only read, I've read more than three but less than six of those issues. Oh, they are amazing! Yeah, I remember them being really fun. I, I just, I forgot that series existed because it was called Marvel Two and One and didn't have a lot of fanfare. Besides, it was written by Chip Zdarsky.
1: Hmm.
0: Um. And he just had like a really good uh, buddy dynamic with
1: Johnny and Ben. He did, and he was coming off of the heels. I think he was still writing Howard the Duck at the time. He might have just finished, and he was going to either start or had already been writing uh, Spectacular Spider-Man.
0: Right, and that's about the point in Zdarsky's interesting career where um, he's like Marvel's funny man, where he's doing all the funny books.
1: Yeah, but he's also kind of breaking out of that mold in those books, and it's also the weird era where Zadarsky's doing, like, 12-issue series, nothing else, but on, like, flagship characters
0: yeah yeah it's super weird i guess somebody liked him enough that they gave him a blank check and he just started picking dream projects
1: but they didn't like him enough to give him the actual flagship title
0: or whoever his rabbi was didn't have the clout (laughs) i don't i have to look who edited those books
1: yeah um so I, I genuinely thought at the time that Zdarsky was going to be transitioning into a Fantastic Four book, uh, and but he didn't. I remember that. And then it was announced that Dan Slott was going to be taking over the reins of Fantastic Four. And this is coming off and... of his
0: sort of poorly received Iron Man run. Yes.
1: Now, I Which love is... the opening
0: mm-hmm. of that Iron Man run. I think the first two arcs are really fun. And they set, like, a good tone for what the book should be. And then they d- end disastrously. That book just falls apart at the end.
1: And oh, my God. I've only read the, like, tie-in issues to War of the Realms, which weren't even written by him. I think maybe he co-wrote them with Gail Simone. And they were just okay.
0: I The the series starts with, like, Tony Stark is Willy Wonka. And he's got this, like, factory where dreams are made. But it's full of, like, weird dangerous robots and experiments and stuff and it's always from the perspective of people visiting his company or working at his company. Ooh. And I thought that was a great sell for an Iron Man book, but then it became about, like, an AI war, and it got more. And similarly, I think that the first half of Dan Slott's Fantastic Four run that we were talking about uh, starts off pretty strong and then, like, really starts stumbling in the middle part, and we'll discuss whether or not we think it
1: ties itself up well Mm -hmm. at the end. And to foreshadow my thoughts, I am less enthused by it even from the get go. In part because Marvel really screwed up the launch. Uh, Instead of having the Fantastic Four book kind of be set up and, you know, projected and starting at the end of Marvel 2 and 1, um, the first issue debuts before Marvel 2 and 1 finishes. Uh, the first issue does not have the fantastic Four in it and is essentially redoing what Marvel Two and one was doing at the end only worse
0: uh yeah it, it's it's bridging the story so that like Johnny and Ben can find Sue and Reed and all the kids yeah um i yeah, it's not as good, but I liked it when I was going back and checking it out i I think it's a pretty fun comic, and I really like um. What's the name of the bad guy who shows up pretty quickly?
1: Um, in the first?
0: Yeah, it's not the Reckoner, because that's later. The,
1: it's not the Griever.
0: Yeah, the Griever.
1: Oh, the Griever is the first one? Okay. That's
0: what I was thinking of, at least. Um, I I liked the Griever. Uh, there was uh, Sarah Pacelli, uh doing art in that book, and it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. And... Um, It really opened as like a fun celebration slash recap of like the Fantastic Four, their major relationships, their supporting characters, as they like summoned all their allies to battle a goofy new villain, OP villain. Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, like, Reed's supposed to be the smartest person in the world, or so smart does make a difference. Franklin, until later in this run, is nigh omnipotent, like...
1: Yeah.
0: It's like a Superman story. It's, it's not about thinking of, like, a devious villain who can uh, hurt our heroes the most. It's like the stories are opportunities to uh, explore other stuff while, like, insane over-the-top sci-fi is happening. <laughs> and I think that the Griever arc did a pretty good job of, like, establishing that tone. I thought it was a promising sign for Slott's, uh like, his tone and what it would be like on Fantastic Four.
1: Hmm.
0: But I, 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 could take it that uh, you don't agree. You don't think it's very successful.
1: No, I didn't think that the first. So the first issue did not do it for me. Like I was, I was. I think I was still very annoyed that the stuff in issue one was not taking place in the series that was currently being published, with the express purpose of leading into the Fantastic Four's return. Like, if you're going to have a Fantastic Four series and you have this other one that is ostensibly the precursor, don't waste your first issue, which I think was even, like, an oversized issue, not even having the full Fantastic Four show up. Like, do your work first, or if this was the only series starting to come out, fine, whatever. The first one's The Search. I'm fine with it. Whatever publishing decision they made, I, it's hard for me to put that on slot. But the choice that he made not to kind of start us right and right with the Fantastic Four already back, wrong choice.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm sure there's an editorial explanation that we're not privy to. But anyway, yeah. that 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 opening story, uh, we don't have to do like a an issue-by-issue issue recap of the whole series, especially because I don't yeah, think I barely you want to.
1: remember a lot of it.
0: <laughs> um, but then, when I thought it continued to show promise, is issue... I believe it was issue four, where they get back to Earth, they try to move to the Baxter building, uh, it turns out this, like, lame, bootleg Fantastic Four
1: oh, yeah. lives in
0: the Baxter building now, uh, and you're just like, what? And um, I thought that was... And again, I was just like, this is a great slot. Like, I love that all of the one-off characters like immediately or they don't have to be one off but like uh when a character would show up in this you you knew what they mm-hmm. were supposed to be like the genre commitment uh made everything pretty clear to me and yeah. and the then the story ended with um the Fantastic Four can no longer live in the Baxter building they're like groovy super skyscraper full of experiments so they uh move into an apartment on 4 Yancey Street the uh the Lower East Side neighborhood that that the thing is from And again, I thought this was a great development.
1: Um, Yeah, I think my reticence early on slowly did wane, but I was still like, I was lukewarm to warm on the series. I wasn't like, yeah, Fantastic Four, because I was having fun with it. It was a lot of the the kind of sillier stuff that the Silver Surfer, he did in Silver Surfer series Without kind of like all reds, you know, cosmic art to help really sell it. Yeah, and that Silver um,
0: Surfer but, series is his magnum opus. He's never done a bit comic better than that.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, and that's like a that's a better best than a lot of than most writers, I would say. <laughs> it's like really up there. Um, but I like the Four Yancy mm-hmm. Street thing because a problem with the Fantastic Four and a reason why I think a lot of People when they are kids, uh, when we were kids, didn't gravitate towards it, is because um, they're up on this skyscraper, they're in other dimensions. They don't really have a clear connection to the Marvel New York real feeling universe anymore. Mm-hmm. They're so like, uh, and they're so abstracted in other people's books. They're the first family, and they're like uh, everyone treats them like they're like gods and royalty and myth. The, the, right, yeah. it, which is always kind of a weird vibe in Marvel because when you're a kid, you're just like, I thought Spider-Man and Wolverine and Hulk were the main guys. Why are we all talking with the Fantastic Four? Is cool.
1: Um Yeah, and like Reed Richards kind of, kind of stinks anyway.
0: Yeah, but so putting them on Four Yancey Street, you give them a neighborhood that has like a real weird New York flavor, and I love like Slot creates this little neighborhood out of time where it feels like post-depression Lower East Side Mm -hmm. with, like, lots of, like, immigrant families and, like, roughneck guys in baseball caps yelling about the Mets. (laughs) Um, And, like, but then, like, Reed stuffs their little apartment full of, like, robots and death rays and shit. And I was just like, this is great because then every so often there's gonna be, like, some madman running around the neighborhood, but then they're gonna have to save supporting characters who I care about. But ultimately, they did not spend a lot of time in Borgansi Street.
1: No, I mean they—they they did a lot of their—they
0: are the status quo didn't change, but we don't spend like a lot of time exploring the neighborhood once it's established. Because immediately yes. they're going to Latvia, they're going to the West Coast, they're going to outer space, they're going through time.
1: They never take advantage of the location. I'm like, but they're still there. But he contrives some ways for where Reed makes the inside of their building another dimension. So it folds in on itself. And there's, I think, an entire issue where they kind of fight about that. It's like, Reed, you said you wouldn't do this. And it was kind of, it was a big nothing burger. And I'm like, why are you squandering all this potential to kind of have them have to deal with living in this, kind of small apartment or even like being like fine reed made it a little bigger
0: yeah just like uh for how clever an idea i think that is i never was that satisfied i, I can remember a couple like i think the um the empire crossovers had some fun stuff going on on yancey street and i think there was a yes. moon girl and devil dinosaur story on yancey street that was quite good
1: there was um i th- I think that was in the pages of Moon Girl. I think so the Devil too. Dynasty. I think they went back. I think forth. that was War of the Realms.
0: Yeah, that was probably War of the Realms. Um, man, yeah. so that, like I said at the beginning, really long arc, <laughs> a really long run that he had.
1: Yeah. Um, and what's weird about it is I'm gonna complain about this whole series. <laughs> I'm putting it out there now. That's okay. But I, I remember win. a surprisingly large amount of what happens. Like once someone says like a plot point, like as you're talking, I'm like, Oh yeah, that happened As opposed to like some other series where you could say something I'd be like, Okay. I mean I guess that happened. I'm gonna run I read those issues.
0: I'm gonna run into that wall pretty soon because all right, so the multiverse is reborn, they moved to Yancey Street, and then the big um, development was the wedding of Ben and Alicia.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are first issues move pretty fast through events surprisingly
0: yeah, yeah well and, and it's a lot of slots been at it long enough that he was doing more episodic comics in the 90s and that's kind of where he cut his teeth so he can like fill an issue with a story with a single story mm-hmm. and not like always decompress um but then a lot of stuff in this decompressed but um oh my god yeah but the Ben and Alicia wedding stuff I'm still on board it's a classic Marvel couple and neither of them have ever made sense with anybody else Uh, it's not like Ben Grimm Mm -hmm. has, like, a long history of, uh, of exciting romantic partners, and the only other person that Alicia dated of note was Johnny, and everyone agrees that that sucked. Yep. Um. (laughs) Including Johnny and Alicia. Yeah, including Johnny and Alicia, which is pretty funny. Um, But so, having them get married made a a lot of sense to me. And those wedding issues were a blast. I loved uh, having the Jewish Marvel wedding. I loved the thing's bachelor party being full of wrestling and all his weird superhero (laughs) friends come in.
1: What is it with, like, the bachelor and bachelorette party issues being, like, the strongest parts of some otherwise very uh, wonky runs? It's a
0: great opportunity to um, have the entire ensemble there and, like, there's an established... There's established tropes of what everybody's doing at the bachelor party. Mm. Where you got your wild friend who everyone's telling to calm down, and you got your weird friend who doesn't know anybody. It's just like they're doing the hangover with a cast of superheroes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I, I just remember one of the big complications of that whole section was, so Alicia Masters, for anyone who doesn't know, her father is, is it called the Puppet Master? Yeah, Puppet Master. Classic Fantastic yeah. Four villain. Super scary Jack Kirby design. Yeah, he can make clay figurines out of anyone, and then he can basically mind control them through the figurines. Yeah, his clay uh, is I think radioactive. There's more to of him, but oh yes, it's radioactive clay. It's very specific. Yes, uh, and so can Alicia. Yeah. So there's a whole thing about that and about like trust, and I. That's probably the strongest part of this whole thing. Definitely. I really liked that. And Uh, and Puppet
0: Master's real... Fantastic Four have some, like, critically underlooked villains like Puppet Master.
1: Yeah. And he's critically underlooked here, even when he's, like, kind of teased to come back at some point when... Because Ben went to ask for Puppet Master's, you know, permission to marry Alicia, as per tradition, and... There was more to it than that in within, like, you know, because they've all got this history and whatever. And Puppet Master hates Ben and and Ben hates Puppet Master and whatever. He goes to ask and he's surprised when Puppet Master essentially agrees. He's like, yeah, fine, whatever. Uh, It turns out that Alicia mind controlled her dad to say yes. And I'm like, ooh, that's a cool, that's an interesting development. And then he doesn't do anything with it for, like, 20 issues. And then I don't even remember what the resolution to that was. You you know what? Exactly the same. I was really struck by that. I was
0: like, this is exciting. Um, Especially, uh, you didn't mention, but Alicia herself is a sculptor. So, like, uh, it's it's very in line with her skill set already. Yeah. And then we just, Mm -hmm. like, go in different directions when that was the most intriguing part of the run. Because, so then... Uh, there's a, again we're good, we're not hit at my line yet we're just about to hit it so then the next arc was a big Doctor Doom arc I think I mean Doctor Doom rules and I think Slot writes a pretty compelling Doom
1: yeah um, for sure and
0: there was a really like fucked up issue where uh, he captures all the Fantastic Four and puts them in like weird torture devices which is like classic oh yeah
1: that was super weird yeah but like
0: they were pretty clever and uh, that's very Doctor Doom very old school Fantastic Four and. Mm-hmm. This story introduced a new character named Victorious, who I don't remember her civilian identity, but is a Latverian woman who becomes a like general slash, uh, super protector slash Doom's love interest. Yes, and I love as I as I think I've made clear I love Victor von Doom. He might be the greatest character in all of fiction. Victoria uh, Vic- uh, Vic- Victorious <laughs> Victorious was a snooze.
1: Really, I just kept. You on... You did not like Victorious.
0: That's about where I really wanted to like Victorious, but that's about where I started uh, faltering in this series. Is because um, mm-hmm. then uh, Doom like uh, captures Galactus, right? And he's like using Galactus energy. Oh yeah, and and, and Victorious yeah. is like a big part of that story, and I never found her motivations that compelling. I didn't think mm-hmm. she had a very great look or power set. She was just kind of like. A mean person who doom liked and who liked Mm. doom a
1: lot until she didn't yeah she's i would say i like the concept of victorious and her appearance Uh uh and i think i thought that like the role she fit was one that i wanted to see more of i really i liked having doom one have someone that he could monologue to Like Mm -hmm. an excuse to monologue to someone who could then sort of, you know, talk back. It wasn't just some random peon that Doom would insult and then have a Doombot kill. Yeah. But she never really gets to do all that much. Every time she is given something to do or, like, have her character advance, it's always kind of, like, regressed to the next issue. Or it's like... Revealed that Doom was manipulating the entire time and he knew she would betray him. And she's like, Oh my god, Doom! And I'm like, Okay,
0: well, I, this okay. is where the why I don't feel like her motivation was that strong because then she would betray him the next arc. It just like they kept on going back and forth,
1: yeah. But it never felt like one of those, like, I guess, acerbic wit screwball comedy back and forths. Yeah, not with comedic, but where where you you're kind of lobbing these things back and forth, and you want to watch them kind of fight with each other. Or I guess a good anime example is if you have any ever seen it, Kagi sama Love Is War, where they're fighting to get the other one to admit that they like each other first, wow,
0: and they I go to watch absurd that. That
1: lengths awesome. to make that happen. Oh, it's amazing. Um, but. You want to see? I like that was what I wanted to kind of see with Victorious and Doom, but Doom always had to come out looking superior, and Victorious always kind of had to come out looking like a chump. You actually, you nailed it. The
0: problem with Victorious was she's positioned to be an equal to Doom, because um, that's rarely ever happened in Marvel. There's a couple characters who fit that bill, but not many. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but but uh, Slot couldn't figure out a way to write Doom trying to relate to somebody as an e- equal because that's so, uh, antithetical to Doom. Yeah. The only... There's a comic I've wanted to read on the podcast for a long time, which is, uh, Dr. Strange, Dr. Do- Doom, Triumph, and Torment. We'll get there one day. But that's the story of how Dr. Doom learned to respect Dr. Strange, and they kind of became weird friends. Hmm. And so, but like, so whenever you see Doom interact with Strange, he's not, like, uh, bloviating and talking about how Doom will triumph and, uh... And yelling Richards and shaking his fist. When he sees Doctor Strange, he's just like, (laughs) hey, how you been? (laughs) It's like, cool. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. And Storm of the X-Men. Doom's very into Storm. Yes. Because all villains are. Yeah, and Victorious, I just, like, I didn't get him being interested in the same way. Um, Yeah. Anyway, that's when it completely falls off a cliff for me. I'm, like, looking back at the list of issues now. And Mm -hmm. I don't even... Like, I don't even
1: remember these story arcs. I'm looking at covers. Yeah, well, it's because the Doom stuff happens and then it's interrupted by War of the Realms. And then, but also in the middle of that, he interrupts it with a different arc. There's like a couple issues. Like, there's a whole bunch of weird stuff. And then we get Point of Origin, which is the introduction of Sky. And I forget what the name of the planet was. Uh, me too, I and this is the arc where my reading got a
0: little spotty, and then I went back yeah. and I read it very, very fast. Uh, well, that was
1: also, like, tail end of 2019 going into the start of the pandemic.
0: Man, the smart thing we were to do would have been to, like, cancel a lot of books and, and start again, because that interruption was really critical.
1: Yeah, I think actually Point of Origin finished before, like, its cover date, you know, the weird cover date stuff. But Point of Origin's long. It's, it's long and, and not very good. Um they I think they had created at this point the Forever Gate, which becomes a MacGuffin for the entire rest of his series uh and just Dullsville. <laughs> but one of the one of the things I actually liked about Point of Origin was giving Johnny Storm a love interest and like making it kind of tumultuous in a but not because johnny is being the asshole but uh, just because of the situation
0: and uh, having johnny date somebody surprising is like a classic fantastic four move yep um yeah this, like i said this is where my reading got a little spotty and also like yeah. i was just like not <clears throat> that engaged um mm-hmm. sky showed up in other books and they're okay um yeah but like
1: oh right
0: um Mm. but just like a sky seems the same to me as um there was that like that nebula character in a force that they tried pushing for a minute i think named singularity
1: i don't remember oh i
0: think i remember
1: this character
0: like a, a living uh cloud of stars yes and like sure yeah um. Just every so often, they they try this character where they're like they're an ethereal, otherworldly being who's kind of unknowable, and I'm like, great, can't know him. Let's move on. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. And every so often, like there would be some minor or major criticism of the of the run because Slot put out a half baked idea, and you know he was trying, but sometimes the point he made was like bad <laughs> and ill considered. Uh, the Mole Man issue. Um. All about underground racism or something.
0: <laughs> I don't think I, that one I don't remember at all.
1: Yeah. It's best to skip that one. Not great. Um, then empire where that was a lot of fun. We had the, the new fantastic four, uh, cause I think the fantastic four were trapped on some other planet or something, or they were, they were fighting, you know, an empire. And so in classic fantastic four fashion, they deputized four new people and they wear fun costumes.
0: Yeah. And this is also, like, one of the reasons why I love Dan Slott is he's one of those guys who, um, he's really familiar with the history of the material, and then he, like, can boil it down to, like, its elemental pieces and be like, I'm gonna do a Spider-Man clone story. I'm gonna do a Fantastic Four trapped in another dimension, so they have to get a substitute Fantastic Four story. Just, like, he knows all of the tropes, and he tries to do a fun version of all of them, and for the most part, he succeeds... But uh, we're right in a section where he does not.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it's just kind of dull. Yeah. Like, he's not doing anything bad. He's not doing... Every so often, you know, he'll make a, a fairly big misstep. But, oh, no, the Forever Gate wasn't for another ten issues. <laughs> Jeez. I'm I'm skipping through the covers on the Marvel Wiki to just remind myself where in the run things happen. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, yeah. I, well, so...
0: The next, oh, I I guess the the result of Empire that's worth mentioning is that Ben and Alicia, now married, adopt two children, which seems like it should be, like, a huge development in Fantastic Four. Uh, There's a little Kree kid named Joven, and there's a little Skrull kid named N'Kala. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, and these kids have no personality. Like, they're, they're kind of, like, cute moppets.
1: Well, they're about as stock as can be.
0: Yeah, they're about as stock as can be. And Parenthood never brings out anything interesting in Ben and Alicia. Yeah. I can't remember a single scene. Like, there's not a scene that stuck with me of, like, one of them parenting their adopted kids in an interesting way. Like, that that should be prime melodramatic this-is-us territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, like, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't manage to find that drama at all. And I, like, don't like that I want these kids to be vanished or something because... I think that they were a stupid idea. I can't, like, I I can't see myself warming to these two nothing characters. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and besides that, the big thing at the end, which uh, I have a lot of thoughts about, but I want to hear yours first, is the Reckoning War, which is, like, this huge multi-issue epic that closes out the run.
1: Uh, before we get that... did I skip something important? Yeah. Franklin Richard.
0: Oh, you're right. I did forget Franklin Richard because that also happened so much in the pages of other books.
1: Yeah, and it happens like, throughout. So at the very beginning, or at some early point in the run, um, Dan Slott establishes that Franklin Richard's powers were actually... Um, they were starting to burn out. Like, he was slowly losing his powers, and that was the source of angst between him and, and his sister. He's like, I can't go back to being a regular kid. Uh, and he's, you know, he's written... Kind of poorly,
0: I would disagree poorly. he's definitely um it's not a characterization we've seen before, and he sucks, but I kind of like guess... him in like a stranger things mm-hmm.
1: way yeah i I don't know. I never felt like Dan Slot was selling his grief over losing the powers and you know struggling with it. It just felt like he th- he needed Franklin to be an asshole and like weirdly supremacist about his own powers. Supremacist is the wrong word, but um... Yeah,
0: because it's not like a racially supremacist,
1: it's like a no. personally
0: supremacist, just believing himself to be superior.
1: Yeah, egotistical. There you go. I think that's that. That's better. That is better. Because he didn't think he's like better than everyone, but he's like, my powers are the only thing that, that makes me worth a damn, but not even like a, in this family or in the world. He's like, Without my powers, I'm a I'm a nothing. I'm, I'm no better than Joe Schmo on the street, and, and that's bad instead of like, and that hurts because I, now I know what I've lost.
0: I The reason why that worked for me so well is I don't find Franklin like likable or relatable, but like he's mm-hmm. a tween, and just like he's being, he's simultaneously like hormonal and confronted with... Uh, uh, adversity of in a way that he never thought it would happen. Mm-hmm. And so he's just, like, sullen about it. And he dyes his hair yeah. blue, and he's being a little asshole to everybody. <laughs> and I'm just like, that makes sense. I'm glad we had a period of, like, Tween Franklin, because um, a big part of Hickman's Fantastic Four run that's so good is he creates a character of a, a future adult Franklin. Mm-hmm. And future adult Franklin is, like, a really cool, chill zen superhero like uh cruising around space and just like fixing it like with the infinite love fixing problems for everybody he encounters um, oh so i i like in the journey of franklin richards that this thing happened and it made him really cranky because one day he's gonna be the best of us you know
1: mm-hmm. um yeah I, I, I can see that so
0: i like uh but yeah i know people didn't like that and then the the thing that uh, affected me more personally was God. the retconning of Franklin's mutant powers.
1: Yeah. So in issue 25, he burns out all of his powers becoming regular human. I don't remember what issue it establishes that Franklin Richards is not actually a mutant. I don't think Fantastic Four X-Men did that specifically. It did something, but it... No, it. Ex- I mean, it didn't retcon anything. It, um...
0: Uh, Mr. Fantastic was trying to suppress Franklin's powers by, like, That's ruining his it, X-G. Right, right, right. And then he could, that could be weaponized against the X-Men, so they erased yeah. his memories.
1: I don't remember when, but essentially Dan Slott decided, you know what? Franklin Richard never was a mutant, and he used his reality warping powers to make himself a mutant, which, you know, is a distinction, but he did it subconsciously, so but all the he writes it like all of the the you know Xavier and whoever is being like really pissed that Franklin did this thing that Franklin didn't even realize he did i don't know the whole thing was written poorly it was the- a bad idea to start and i think it it was trying to solve a problem that didn't need to be a problem
0: yeah i remember that feeling really distasteful to me because um because it was just like, yeah, just like you said, it's lame. It's just uh, pulling defeat from the jaws of victory. Having Franklin be connected to mutants was never boring. That was always a cool story opportunity. Yeah. And making it, again, because I feel like the role of Franklin is that he's going to become this, like, uh, apotheosis of all the good of superheroes when, mm-hmm. someday. So making that a mutant is, like, aspirational because mutants are a oppressed and marginalized minority when he's a kid. Mm-hmm. um but uh at some point he's going to be accepted um and maybe as more than one of the good ones just like there's so much opportunity in that, that it's such a bummer and like what do we gain from making him not a mutant we don't gain anything we just lose an avenue of storytelling it wasn't replaced yeah. with something equally or more compelling mm-hmm. um, it could have
1: been really interesting if now powerless he runs away to Krakoa.
0: yeah that would have been bold in. and really cool yeah um and I, I remember I was talking with my buddy the other day, and he was just saying, um, how come we don't get a lot of stories about mutants not on Krakoa? And Franklin was one of the cool ones you could point to, but no more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it made sense. Yeah, it was...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His parents didn't want him to live on Teen Sex Island.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was It was issue 26 that it was fully um, revealed. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever.
0: Yeah, I found this to be a bummer. <laughs> And nothing came of it for a bunch of bummer. Sucked.
1: Yeah. The, and the rest of the run bounces between different foreshadowings of, you know, deaths and this Infinity Gate thing and the return of the Griever. And um, some of the single issues are fine. Uh, we get the King in Black crossover. We get Bride of Doom. You remember Bride of Doom. That was a whole big nothing burger that could have been interesting just like every other thing with doom in this run <laughs>
0: yeah i dipped back in for bride of doom and then i was like "Ah, oh, this is bad
1: <laughs> yeah it yeah interesting doom getting married not interesting it actually being all ploy the whole time because doom is smarter than everyone always yeah insane 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 so um, but then we get to by go- the end
0: mm-hmm. the reckoning war
1: yes Um I'm just I'm blasting past the end of the Griever and all that because I'm like, I don't care.
0: Uh yeah, cool. Cool that we brought back that villain, I guess, but I don't know if I have that issue. Um, but then the Reckoning War happens, and that lasts like how many issues? Like twenty issues, I feel like.
1: Um five. Are you kidding? Six? So it starts with Fantastic Four Reckoning War Alpha. Uh, and then but that is like, concurrent with issue 39, like, the Reckoning War had been s- building a little bit in the background. It kind of comes out of nowhere, for being honest. Well, but I th- I think he was set in his Fantastic Four run, I think he was setting it up entirely obliquely. Like, he'd show a flash forward of Ben killing Reed, and we don't know why, and the Griever kept saying, like, the Reckoning is coming, or whatever. Uh, but then issue 40 is the official start. Of Reckoning War, the final issue of Reckoning War is issue forty-five, which is the end of his run. Uh, and then I think there was a one-shot in there with uh, Uatu, which is basically a what-if issue.
0: Um, yeah, I felt a lot longer. I felt like that was going on forever. Well, here's, oh my
1: god, it did.
0: Now here's the thing, Elias. You're like you're saying it seems like it came out of nowhere. He barely set it up. Mm-hmm. Dan Slott's been setting up the Reckoning War since like two thousand and two.
1: It does not feel like it.
0: This is the insane thing. And this is the most interesting part of the entire run to me. So I am a big fan and defender of Dan Slott's 2004 run on She-Hulk, a run that has been like very thoroughly repudiated by people now. It's very early 2000s girl power in a way that it feels pretty cringe. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's a lot of fun. And he thinks of fun stuff to do with She-Hulk and he builds a fun supporting cast. So mm-hmm. in that book and others he was doing at that time, and then later in a Spider-Man run, there's these flash forwards to this thing called the reckoning war, this like far off event. And a lot of it was like really weird pieces. Like in She-Hulk, there was this recurring character named Southpaw who was like Mm -hmm. the delinquent daughter of She-Hulk's lawyer's boss um, who had a giant fist and she would punch people with it, like a giant robot hand. (laughs) And
1: it was teased. I love that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And it was teased that um, that's like the fist of the Reckoner in the Reckoning War. And that one day he's going to like come looking for it.
1: Um, okay.
0: And yeah, and just through Dan Slott comics, if you go, there's all this foreshadowing where it was clear he was building like a one day I want to do my Marvel Magnum Opus crazy event. Mm-hmm. And I don't know you know, what his future career aspirations are or uh, what Marvel is interested in having him right next. But, like, this was kind of a bummer for a 20-year buildup.
1: Right? And the weird part is, he got to write an event. He co-wrote Empire with Al Ewing. Now, we don't know what happened with that because of COVID, but I don't get why he didn't try, like, pitching the Reckoning War there.
0: Yeah, it would have made a lot of sense, because Empire was always a, b- like a weird mishmash of obscure Marvel lore that I barely care about.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if Dan Slott was brought in to help Ewing, or if Ewing was brought in to help Dan Slott, or if they pitched it together, or, like, what? Or what if uh, slot pitched Empire as the setup for Reckoning War, and then with COVID
0: and all the uncertainty, he wanted to put a squash on it, and then the timing was just ruined. Like... We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll never know,
1: but... Um, we'll never know.
0: But yeah, it's. I would love to... Somebody somewhere on the internet has probably written, a, like, every reference to Reckoning War in every Dan Slott comic, and it's substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the Reckoning War, you know, was like a weird, meaningless action adventure with a lot of, like, uh, reveals and switching sides and secret destinies and weird retconning of the original Sin event, which made Nick Fury... <sighs> The White Nick Fury, that is. The Watcher?
1: Yeah, uh, no, the he, he was made the man on the wall. No, he wasn't made. No, no, no. He made, he he was,
0: made Bucky the man on the wall. He passed that mantle yes.
1: on. You're right, you're right, you're right. No, he was made the Unseen, I think. Yeah, I think he, that's what he was called.
0: Yeah, they called him the Unseen. He had a cool vibe as yeah. the Unseen. That was a dumb thing where... The imagery of Uatu is so classic, and it's and then they threw that away and replaced it with this other thing. I'm like, oh, are we committing to this? And then no, it just he was around until he wasn't.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, um, Jack of Hearts. The Jack of Hearts uh, shows
0: up in She Hulk, and
1: but he was he was he's been dead for twenty years.
0: He came back in the thirty. He came back in the pages of She
1: Hulk. I I I did. Oh, oh, the new She-Hulk. Yes, new She-Hulk. I've only read the first issue. Jack of Hearts shows up in it. Was that to set this up? No, Jack of, did Mar- did, Jack of did Hearts. Did Marvel says- go, hey.
0: We'll talk more about Jack of Hearts after the commercial break.
1: Okay. I promise. Okay. Um, okay.
0: I just, I wanted to conclude that the result of the Reckoning War is a really neat idea. And I wish that anything could have felt like it was building to that and like it meant anything. Which is that at the end, it turns out that the Watchers, who have always felt pretty menacing, Mm -hmm. um, had like walled off 90% of the universe. And so that all the Marvel stuff we've seen so far, the space stuff and the aliens and the different galaxies and whatnot, has all taken place in this like tiny little corner of the universe. And it ends with, and now there's a universe 10 times bigger to explore and, like, the promise of infinite exploration. Just, like, I think that's such a neat idea, having the Watchers, like, barricading Earth's section of the universe off, because Earth sucks so much. <laughs> um, yeah, but just, like, it kind of was, felt random at the end. It didn't thematically feel like it was the culmination of the story.
1: Mm, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and thus ends Dan Slot's Fantastic Four Is he announced on another book yet?
1: Um... Maybe, hold on, I'm checking something, because I'm on the, I'm on the Wicked, I was on the Marvel Wiki, mm-hmm. and it says that Dan Slott is writing one final issue, issue 46.
0: Yes, I knew, that I knew.
1: I did not know this, it's going to be a one-shot, and it's promising to bring back the uh, mysterious sister of Reed Richards. I thought David Post was already taking over the title at this point.
0: Um, it, I think that's, it looks like a transition issue, because uh, Post is on
1: issue 47. Okay, uh, well, I'm I'm I don't feel like we need to talk about that one. I'm not expecting anything huge to happen. And watch me have to eat my words. It's coming out after this issue drops too. Uh, this issue, this episode.
0: Uh for all our readers slash listeners.
1: Yeah. So for once, you won't have advanced knowledge.
0: <laughs> I'm just uh, what? What's uh, Den thought doing next? It looks like he's doing a Spider-Man I, I... comic.
1: Oh, yeah, he's doing a Spider-Man comic, which is running alongside the main title, and is supposed to be very important, uh, and will affect the main title and the rest of the Marvel Universe, and I have exactly zero interest in reading that.
0: I'll probably check... Less than any. I'd probably check it out. Yeah, that sounds like uh, one of these, like, I feel like they should be on, as usual... Marvel's entire problem is that they, like, lie in their marketing and say that it's one thing to trick people into getting stuff that they don't want. But if they just had, like, yeah. Marvel signature, and that was, like, a series of, like, older writers who have been at it for more than 20 years, like, doing classic characters. Mm-hmm. And just telling stories that they wanted to tell. If, like, I would like that. People would like that. Sigh. Yeah. Uh,
1: apparently he's going back to the well and ending the Spider-Verse.
0: Quote Ending the Spider Verse, big scare quotes.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna go away from the Spider Verse.
0: It's the one. Of the, it's a hit
1: movie. I don't know. I don't know.
0: I don't. know. I was like, know. I
1: trust Dan Slott to make bad decisions that Marvel can't argue with.
0: <laughs> yeah, for I don't know who he's got photos of and what they're doing in those photos, but
1: but clear clearly they didn't let him do nearly anything with Reckoning War because he blew up the moon. He, like, all these huge things were happening and none of the other books touched it and by the end of the the final issue of Reckoning Can I just say, I have a beef with that final issue of Reckoning War.
0: Yeah, pretty boring I have issue. a beef
1: with many things during Reckoning War. <laughs> One of them being Unbeatable Squirrel Girl gets beaten and in, like, the most smug panel I have read from a Dan Slott comic. I was so mad. Uh, so mad. It's uh, such a petty thing, uh, I know. Uh, Dan but... Slott
0: was one of the original uh, Squirrel Girl writers. Like He would have her show up and beat huge villains in the background of his uh, Avengers series and in yeah. West Coast Avengers too.
1: I don't get it. Maybe he was just trying to show how big the, the threat was that even Squirrel Girl got taken out like a chump. But then it makes it, you know, it it didn't actually raise the stakes in a meaningful way when the person who did that gets taken out by a chump by like, was it victorious? I don't remember. It's
0: like the Franklin Richards thing, though. It's just you're taking an opportunity to tell a story and instead you're telling not a story.
1: Yeah. You're telling us what didn't happen. Yeah. The whole thing was poorly paced. I don't know. Reckoning War might have been the, the worst part of his entire run. Not necessarily because it was poorly thought out or you know just not an interesting idea but because most of the ideas within it were squandered it was hard to follow and i I just felt like i was having proper nouns thrown at me and characters thrown at me that i didn't know who they were scenes didn't connect we jumped back and forth and by the end everything was undone other than the universe is now nine tenths bigger
0: that's a neat idea which is
1: cool (laughs) Yeah, it's a neat idea, and there's only one Watcher now, and I think he's the Omni-Watcher, and Nick Fury is back being the man on the wall. Yeah. I guess. Sure, I guess. Yeah, it just kind of like resets the status quo for a bunch of characters that it didn't matter for. Oh, and yeah, it just felt like he was like, Ah, man, my run got cut short. Better pull all these threads together.
0: He, 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 that's it. Reckoning War will be Dan Slott's Chinese Democracy. You remember Chinese Democracy? No. It was the Guns N' Roses album that took him like 20 years to make, and when it came out it's like so overproduced, it's like painful to listen to. <laughs> He's just been too long with it. Yeah. And yeah, this was just clearly an idea in his head for so long, and then he had his opportunity got ruined, and then he just like, blew it. It's a sad yeah. note to end on.
1: It, it really is. Um, there could have been there could have been good in this in this run, and there is, but not nearly as much as there should have been.
0: Well, end things it did, and uh, thus ends our discussion on Dan Slott's Fantastic Four and Reckoning yeah. War saga. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back and just talk about some other books we're reading. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiverse Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily.
1: I'm Zach, and I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster,
0: A Silent Voice,
1: and Pokemon Adventures.
0: We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note.
1: At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick, so you can read along with
0: us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well.
1: So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And welcome back.
0: Elias, you read any good Marvel lately?
1: I have... I, well, I read a lot of bad Marvel, and then I read a lot of good Marvel, <laughs> what, uh, and that's a lot of fun. Really quick, what was the bad stuff? Well, I mean, Fantastic Four. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I caught up on that, and I was like, ooh, do not like. I've still been like dreading coming back to all the Donny Cates written stuff. I don't want to read it. I, I do not want to read it. I would tell you you don't God. have to,
0: but I know that you do. But listeners, I, you don't I have do. to.
1: Yeah, you don't. Uh, the, pe- I have to read the Thor stuff because some people have been saying, like, it's amazing. And I'm like, how, I don't know what ha- what crawled into your brain and said these comics are good. But clearly your taste is 100% different from mine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not interested in those books either.
1: Yeah, I just... It's been it's been bad, and weirdly, the Miles Morales stuff has not been very good.
0: I have I I, I really like Solid in the Mid, and he's done some great stuff. But mm-hmm. I have never liked his Miles Morales.
1: It's weird. It's really weird. Miles Morales, I don't, st- I don't get it.
0: Still doesn't really have. I uh, he certainly doesn't have a great comic to his name, and I don't even think he has a very good one.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah.
0: I can't think it, of I, a single like good Miles Morales comic that's like singing to me.
1: I th- I still think that like there are significant parts of of Ahmed's run that have been pretty good. Um right now the hard the thing that's been really dragging it down. It's a pretty standard com- uh Marvel superhero series, which is good. It's uh-huh. kind of what I want. Yeah. I wish Ahmed was doing more of like what he did in Exiles and what he did in uh, uh Black Bolt, like really pushing things. Yeah, uh, but like he hasn't artistically. Really been doing that. It's it's very yeah. it's very
0: conventional and he was like very wildly creative in his first couple of years.
1: Yeah, and the the most recent like the artists on Miles Morales the last couple of years. I don't know what's going on with that book. Yeah, it has I, not looked good in months, in years, in years. I I don't know. It, it's, yeah. not a,
0: it's not a good looking book, and um, it's also like For- not very organically building Miles' world, which needs to happen because he's so weird and complicated. Yeah. With all his, yeah. like, backstories from dimensions shot into other dimensions, but then there's alternate reality, resonance. It's just, like, someone's got to sit down and be like, yeah, but, what, like, what's his day-to-day look like?
1: <laughs> and,
0: like, who are his yeah. villains? Who? How are they different than Peter Parker's villains?
1: Mm-hmm. Just, I yeah. mean, we've got ultimate He's been doing stuff with Ultimatum and, like, clones, and there have been some, some good stuff there. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of it feels like we've had better versions of this story done elsewhere uh like in captain marvel or spider-man
0: um well that's what we don't like what have you been liking
1: i have been liking i was like i i want i want to bash some of jason aaron's comics i don't want to bash any Jason aaron's comics but He's made some bad decisions, (laughs) character-wise, recently.
0: Um, I... Have you been catching up on
1: that book that I think you're secretly,
0: obliquely referring to?
1: King Conan? Oh, no, I was thinking of Punisher. Oh, no, no, I was talking about King Conan. The Punisher's been... Like, I... I don't know what the like the optics of Punisher being the head of the hand is weird, but like the story itself is, I have caught up, very compelling yeah, because it's weirdly of the compelling. way Punisher has been put in. Yeah. It's
0: weirdly compelling. I just like I was like, uh oh, this sounds ill-advised. And then I opened it, i like, yeah. damn, that's pretty cool actually.
1: He's basically a prisoner. He's their murder prisoner. I love I love that dynamic. Like what like what he's being positioned of within this. is like, well. Yeah, and it's I, not Punisher going on the streets, killing people, like, you're supposed to feel really ambiguous about everything, and I like that.
0: Yeah, and I can't believe that, like, in the same issue, he can have a goofy scene of Ares threatening the hand, Ares the Greek God of War, and then have <laughs> yeah. a flashback to how Punisher met his wife when he was a teenage hockey player, and he, like, smashed some guy's teeth across the the glass, <laughs> And then, yeah. and then that was the first time he made eye contact with his wife, and that happened in the same issue. And I was just like, "What the fuck is this good comic?"
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. It's the, the whole thing. I've been, I have been really enjoying the Punisher. I think it's it's any, better than it has any right to be. Um, M- Marvel's just kind of put its foot in the mouth with a few different books and then promotion of books. I this is the year that I thought they would have in twenty twenty one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember your predictions.
1: Um, yeah.
0: I, uh, so I, I promised mm-hmm. I would talk about Jack of Hearts, and I've been reading Rain- oh, yes. Rainbow Rowell's She-Hulk. Uh,
1: Please, lay it on me, because I have not.
0: Uh, the artwork, fantastic. Really good art by... Mm-hmm. Who, remember, who did the art? Um, You hear me googling furiously because I'm embarrassed that I don't remember.
1: Oh, uh, is it Rogue? Rogan Antonio? roger it it looks like it's a couple but i think it is i
0: still have not found it anyway um yeah roger antonio you got it right uh his artwork is is excellent is extraordinary he does a great new york and um rainbow rail is like really doing a great job telling a small scope superhero rom-com Mm-hmm. between she hulk and jack of hearts and he's kind of like she's hiding him because he doesn't know what's going on he's missing memories and stuff uh but, hmm. but they're clearly falling for each other and um and she's having jack of hearts kind of be like a sexy born yesterday hunk like walking around and he like doesn't know what food is and he like dresses <laughs> like a weird hipster uh instinctively and this is everything i wanted from rainbow Rowl coming to comics i really love her novels Um, Mm -hmm. and, and she does like my favorite cute romances. And this is, it's exactly the right tone with wonderful art. The only thing she can't do is end an issue. Every issue ends a (laughs) panel before it should to sell the cliffhanger.
1: Mm, Like somebody
0: off panel will be like, um, what? No, it's impossible. But then they won't tease you with it. You're just like, oh, I guess that's it.
1: Yeah. This was a problem in runaways too.
0: Yeah. I, I just like, I don't know why she, uh, Pulls her punches with her uh, last page reveals. And it's funny because the best ever in comics at that doing that exciting was Brian K. Vaughn, the creator of Runaways. His last page cliffhangers are unmatched.
1: They are. Hilariously. I've had the the opportunity of reading his some of his really early stuff, like pre-Runaways, pre-Why, pre-anything really.
0: Like what? I've read uh, that stuff. Uh,
1: in Batman and in Buffy, and his Batman predates Buffy by a while too. They are not as good as they will become. No, the most interesting. And this is for the listeners
0: too. The most interesting early Brian K. vaughn comic where you can like see him becoming the the writer he's gonna be is mm-hmm. um I think it's just it's like X Men Chamber. I think is it's like a mini series about Chamber going to college in New York City. Oh, it's four issues and it's very good, but like dated hmm. and weird and like stumbling, but it's good. You, he, he, you, can, you can see it. You can
1: see the good in it.
0: Yeah. Well, you can, And then like uh, right after that is when he hits with Why the Last Man and Everything. Mm. It's, it's like a year before Why the Last Man, I think. Anyway, that's fantastic. I've been really digging all the Daredevil stuff and I caught up on everything I had missed. Daredevil, Man Without Fear, Woman Without Fear, Punisher, Elektra, whatever they call those books. I read them all. Um, Ooh, wow. And um, I'm keeping up with Spider-Man, which is not doing much for me at all.
1: I'm still loving Spider-Man, and uh, Jaina is wrong. <laughs> well, do- We are going to fight about this book in, like, the opposite way of the Nick Spencer one, but I, I still think... I think we will both agree that this is far superior to that and that most of your reticence is it's just not doing much for you and you don't like the art.
0: Um... That, yeah, that, Would that be
1: fair to say? Oh, that's
0: completely fair to say. Well, I think the writing is adequate and the art is poor, so it averages pretty poorly.
1: I disagree on both fronts, but we'll we'll, we'll probably get into that. I want us to get a, a few more issues in before we really start digging into the like what's going on with the Spider-Man because it, it's pretty decompressed. Yeah, which is a little annoying. Not a lot of happens
0: issue to issue. That's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd like a little bit more happening, but that's okay. I'm I'm dig I'm digging what is happening.
0: I I'm digging through my uh my reading. I'm you know I'm keeping up with Shang Chi is still really good. I'm mm-hmm. keeping up with Al Ewing's different defenders miniseries are all super good.
1: Like I am blown away by Rodriguez's art. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, by Javier Javier Rodriguez's art. I cannot believe this this man has not been nominated for Eisner's,
0: yeah, they should be chucking Eisner's as he walks down the street, yeah, um and I guess there's a little thing, well, you know what let's save talking about a x e because we're gonna talk about that later greater life, oh yeah i think
1: i'm I'm not like I'm not even bringing up any of the x men books because I'm reading them all and. We have other episodes that we can point people to. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, I'm reading
0: all the X-Men books. see our thoughts on those. I like most of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I mean, like, I feel like Marvel hasn't announced the next thing yet. Uh, As we speak, uh, San Diego Comic-Con is unfolding, and I got a feeling they're going to announce something intriguing by the time this episode drops, Uh, I hope.
1: Who knows, if we're being honest. (laughs) Who knows? I'm not going to say. They may be, like, holding stuff back. For, for a bit because they got to get through their summer stuff.
0: Yeah, it's all it's all very weird over there, um, which is yeah. a weird note to end on. So let's talk about what we're doing next time.
1: Oh, actually, I wanted to bring up. Oh, I'm sorry. Three more books.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize you had, that, had a list. Yeah, what are your three? Well, other books? there are a
1: bunch of there are a bunch of first issues that have come out recently. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm like I want to plug them. <laughs> Do it. Uh, I, but what should I be reading? Well. I finally caught up on Ghost Rider, Okay, and I've been weirdly digging it.
0: I'm weirdly digging it,
1: too. Yeah. It's Ben Percy. I'm so glad that I can say, without a doubt, I'm really enjoying Ben Percy's writing on this. I think he's found a mode, he's found a character to work with, and he is just digging into it. I feel bad for Ed Brisson, because his run got cut short by COVID, and... I was kind of enjoying what Brisson was doing, and now Brisson seems to be no longer at Marvel in any big way. Yeah. Not sure why. Maybe he just moved on. Maybe Marvel didn't like him anymore.
0: Maybe he didn't like Marvel anymore.
1: Oh, that's also possible. But Percy is doing Ghost Rider, and it is horrific.
0: Yeah, it's scary. It's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, scary and good. Um, I also caught up on Iron Man, which has been weird it's been Uh, a weird book it's
0: been weird i like this iron man run
1: yeah it's i have no idea where to place it but i like patsy walker being an important character like their dynamic has been a lot of fun
0: yeah and i like how it can bounce between street level and cosmic level without Mm -hmm. missing a beat
1: i'm dreading the inevitable wedding issue because marvel's gonna hype it up and then they're gonna be like something's going wrong and then the wedding will either crash and burn or Whatever, because they hate weddings. Yeah. Um, But the other two books that that I want to kind of mention was Iron Cat, which is more Black Cat by Jed McKay. Go read it. (laughs) Go read it. Yeah, yeah. I (laughs) will. If you liked those books, go read it. I still got. If you didn't, eh, you know.
0: No, you're You're right. They're good. I still got a bunch to read.
1: Uh, And then the Variants. Have you read this one?
0: Uh, yeah, I did read the fir- the first issue.
1: Yeah. I'm excited for it. We haven't gotten a Jessica Jones series in a while. Gail Simone is back. Gail Simone is back and writing a mini-series. And I think she really captures the vibe of Jessica. And now it's kind of in a weird, like, we've got, well, we've got clones, I guess. We've got variants. Um, uh,
0: or like, uh, yeah, it seems like an alternate universe thing. Gail Simone does like the, the lady noir really well. It's kind of crazy. She hasn't done a bunch of Jessica Jones.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a little sad, you know, Kelly Thompson isn't doing it, but Kelly Thompson's got her plate full. Yeah. And, uh, I'm okay with this, especially with Phil Noto on art doing a very good job of channeling Michael Gatos for the series.
0: Totally. And, and frankly, I mean, I, lo- I like Michael Gatos, but I love Phil Noto. And I think his, his cover is maybe is even more compelling.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I guess that's pretty much all the, the good comics I want to talk about here, because I could just literally just start listing all the comics. Yeah, I know you have to be <laughs> I mean, very... like, this was good. This was OK. This was fine. Finish Savage Spider-Man. It was fine. The Marvel's ended, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, yeah, I guess I mean, Iron like, F- oh, wait, Iron Fist. Um, I've been reading Iron Fist. What have you been thinking about it? I know you, you did after the first couple issues, but we've got a couple more. Um,
0: I wish I liked it more. I like it. Okay. Um, I feel like, uh, there's a lot of stuff getting thrown at me and none of it is very memorable. Interesting. Um, I like the writing. I like, I, I, mm-hmm. I think, uh, the, her scripts are, uh, what is it? Alyssa Wong, right? Yes. Um, Her scripts are really strong, and, like, scene to scene, I really like it. But then, like, there would be, like, a dinner scene with, like, 12 characters, and I won't remember a single one.
1: Mm. Yeah. And,
0: and, like, over at Shang-Chi, they're doing the, you know, a different martial arts thing. But that will throw characters at me, and they're very memorable. Mm. Um,
1: Actually, when you were talking, I was, like, I pictured... The the, <laughs> the Five Weapons Society. All of them standing around a table. I'm like, oh yeah, I can't really picture so much of, of Iron Fist. Um, I like the main dude. I I'm but happy to good. see him in books.
0: Yeah, I want to see him and be in more books. He's the coolest superhero. Uh,
1: formerly Swordmaster. Yeah, um,
0: Swordmaster.
1: I think it's Lin Lei. Yeah, L I E. I think that I think that's his name. But yeah, the all the supporting characters are kind of. Kind of nothing burgers at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, have you been reading the Black Panther series by John Ridley? No, not yet. I've been digging it. It it feels like a little bit less philosophical, but more, <laughs> I hate to say coherent, Tanahisi nehisi Uh But it has a more similar feel to that than like, priests run well before all of this which was it's weird to say I still think that's the gold standard Black Panther run coach was great but good god were those panels stuffed with words
0: yeah and those priest comics were good
1: comics yeah yeah so that's about it but next time right next Next time. time I'm excited for next time because
0: next time we are reading a favorite of mine
1: yeah, the Taskmaster miniseries, is it Unkillable? Unthinkable. Unthinkable.
0: Is what the trade was titled, and that's what the arc is called. But you'll just find it as task- Taskmaster. Um, I have the trade. I don't know how where you, you're reading it.
1: I'm reading it on Marvel Unlimited. Is it Taskmaster 2004? 2010? 2010 sounds right. Because there have been like three or four different miniseries. It's the one by Fred um,
0: Van and It's from 2010. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, and so not not the. Mm-hmm. our so just our next episode, we're reading uh, 2010 Taskmaster by Fred Van Lente. It's a four issue miniseries, and um, next episode we'll be talking about it and Taskmaster in general because he's a super cool villain who is my favorite.
1: I'm ready. I'm ready to get the lowdown. We've we've teased this out for longer than Reckoning War.
0: Not longer than no Reckoning tea. War. That was 20 years, but we've teased it for a long time. <laughs> two years.
1: Uh, one-tenth. Uh, that, uh, that's long enough. One-tenth that's of a Reckoning enough. War. Yeah. Um, we will see you there, party people. Yeah, but first, where can they find you, Jaina, on the larger interwebs?
0: I can be found at Multiversity Comics. It's a pretty great website where I'm writing about comics and Attack on Titan and... X-Men in general. Um, I'm also uh, doing reviews on uh, comicbookherald.com. Pretty neat website in its own right. And you can find me on Twitter at rambling underscore moose. Uh, Elias, what about you? Where can people find you?
1: They can find me on Twitter at Quetzalish. That's Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. That is my stage name for when I inevitably drafted into the Latvarian army, only to be killed by a Doombot. Yikes, that Uh... sounds... Likely. Possible. Maybe even likely. (laughs) Yeah. And you can find me writing on multiversitycomics.com. This summer has been all about Babylon 5 and early 2000s Batman, which has been... God, it's been all over the place. (laughs) Some good, some bad, some yikes. (laughs) Uh, And so much Riverdale. Riverdale will be over by the time this episode uh, airs, but... It feels like I have been reviewing that show nonstop for a year and a half. It feels that longer. Was not the case. It's relentless. It, it really is. And I am enjoying the nonsense while at the same time dreading it. Well, I'll see you on
0: the other side.
1: Excelsior.